0: reading from this morning is from Luke chapter 6, verses 20 through 31. Then he looked up at his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you. Woe to you when all speak well of you, for that is what their ancestors did to the false prophets. But I say to you that listen, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you. And if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. This is the word of God for the people of God. God. Jesus seems to shake everything up in our scripture passage for today, doesn't he? Sometimes we're okay with a shake-up, especially if it's someone else's world that's being shaken. We're not so comfortable when someone is trampling on our own turf, are we? If you'll indulge me for just a few minutes, I'd like to ask you to join me in pondering several key questions. Please close your eyes if you wish to remove all other potential distractions. As I pose these brief questions, please imagine yourself responding with your hand raised if your answer to the question is yes. There is no pressure to perform, just a willingness to honestly engage in evaluating what this past week or two has looked like for you. Again, you may wish to close your eyes and see yourself raising your hand or not in response to each of these questions. Have you witnessed hate or anger directed at yourself or others? Have you been hurt or disappointed in yourself or others? Have you perhaps felt like striking out? Please take a moment to ask God to journey with you this morning and beyond as you deal with these very real feelings and emotions. Please open your eyes if you have not already done so. Based on our reading from Luke 6 this morning, it is clear Jesus knew that he had an important message to communicate to his disciples, one that would puzzle or overwhelm some and perhaps even disturb or anger others. He was clearly shaking things up. What's interesting also is that Luke 6, 20 through 31, sounds similar in many ways to the Sermon on the Mount found in the Gospel of Matthew. There is rich Bible commentary on this very subject, the similarities and differences in what is known as the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 7, and what some refer to as the Sermon on the Plain in Luke 6. For purposes of our message today, we're going to focus on several specific verses in Luke 6. But first, I want to share the variations in these two similar but clearly different passages in the New Testament. The following information is based on Bible commentary provided by Richard Neal Donovan. First point, Luke's less familiar version is known as the Sermon on the Plain because Jesus seems to have come down with them And stood on a level place. And this is from an earlier verse in Luke 6, 17. Luke's version is much shorter than Matthew's version, but includes some distinctive material, such as the woes in Luke 6, 24 through 26. In Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount, this follows almost immediately after Jesus' baptism and temptation. Luke places the sermon on the plain later in Jesus' ministry. The sermon is preceded by his rejection in his hometown synagogue, the call of the disciples, the cleansing of a leper, the forgiveness and healing of a paralytic, a question about fasting, and a question about the Sabbath. It is thought that Luke places this sermon later in the gospel because, of, because his concern is on emphasis rather than chronology. Most of the aforementioned stories, beginning with Jesus' visit to his hometown synagogue, are conflict stories. In these stories, scribes and Pharisees take offense at Jesus for violating religious taboos. In his sermon on the plain, Jesus further turns their legalistic world on its head. In this sermon, Jesus gives them a glimpse into the kingdom of God an upside-down world by their standards. Sometimes things are not as they seem in this life, and for certain in the life beyond what we know. Today, we're going to focus on a very select part of the passage in Luke 6, verses 27 through 28 and 31. In these verses... Jesus is calling for an end to what was long practiced in the culture of the day, reciprocity, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Jesus tells us that reciprocity is not kingdom behavior. Just as God goes beyond justice to mercy, we are to do the same. It is a hard lesson, one that goes against the grain. It is unnatural. We can move beyond justice to mercy, but only through the grace of God. Luke six twenty seven through 28 and 31 says, But I tell you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who mistreat you, as you would like people to do to you, do exactly to them. When Pastor Sarah asked me last month if I would be willing to share the message today, November 20th, I paused like many of you might. She mentioned transformation and reconciliation as central to the scripture for the day. She had my interest. Unbeknownst to her, I had been doing some reading on these topics and had just scheduled a trip to Nashville, Tennessee. To attend a workshop offered through an organization called Thistle Farms. This remarkable organization helps women who have been involved in trafficking, drugs, and prostitution to transform their lives. A coincidence that I would be touring the facilities of this organization and exploring its passionate mission just six days before delivering a message to our congregation? Perhaps not. Our God is quite amazing. In a few minutes, I will share more information about Thistle Farms and the work they're doing. First, though, I'd like to ask you to recall for a moment the questions I asked at the beginning of this message this morning. Have you witnessed hate or anger directed at yourself or others? Have you been hurt or disappointed in yourself or others? And have you perhaps felt like striking out? The women you will see from Thistle Farms and those who minister to them certainly have days when they experience anger, hurt, and disappointment. It may be hard to leave this behind, but God calls us to do things differently, and Jesus speaks of this and models this behavior for us. Please join me now in watching the following clip that shows transformation
1: in action. Thistle Farms' residential program is called Magdalene. They're two-year homes where women can stay for free without any authority living in the house. It's a simple model, but it's critical for survivors of trafficking, addiction, and prostitution to have both space and time to heal we figured out when the women came that they were doing great work in their recovery the problem was they were still dirt poor and that's why we started thistle farms the bath and body care company run by the women you know i walked a 10 block radius for well over 20 years and i could not find a way out um and i was just trapped i had lost all hope i was in a dark place i came from molestation I came from um, running away at the age of 15 um, and found my way um, using drugs and that took me for a whole loop. Um, I became homeless, I've been arrested 87 times, Um, I lost custody of my kids. None of the women we serve in the community of Thistle Farms ended up on the streets by themselves. It takes a bunch of broken systems and communities that really roll out a red carpet for the women to find their way into being runaways, to being trafficked, to being addicted. So it makes sense that it takes communities to welcome the women home and provide the resources and provide a place to restore all of us into a community together. It was very difficult to get a job because of my police background, and they hired me. Um, They let me work to register and and be accountable for money. They let me go to the bank. Um, But they allow me the opportunity to develop job skills. The best thing about my life today is um, that I lost my kids, and so I have four grandkids. And so the things that I wasn't able to do for my kids, I'm able to do for my grandkids. Like go to the PTA meetings, show up for lunch, drop them off at school, just to hear them say, uh, Nanny, can you help me with some homework, even though I might not know, (laughs) because I've been out of school for so long. And they love us till we're able to love ourselves. For 20 years, we've been a witness to the truth that love is the most powerful force for social change in the world. It is that way because people want to hope with us, they want to do this work with us, and we welcome you to the circle.
0: It's hard to love those who hurt us, and sometimes it's incredibly hard to love ourselves. The women who end up at Thistle Farms have been used and manipulated by many. Daily existence is a chore and often a nightmare before they are ready to leave the streets. Surely they are angry at those who may have pulled them into this way of life, and most likely they are angry at themselves as well. So how does Thistle Farms help women to transform their lives? At Thistle Farms, they experience love, unconditional love and support to heal the broken places, not immediately, but over time. They provide housing, medical services, job training, and love. I met many of these women who appear in the video on Monday of this past week. Their stories are sad, yet uplifting. I had the privilege of having personal conversation with several of them throughout the day. They said, thank you for coming. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being part of this movement of healing. Most of us have brokenness in our personal stories, don't we? Places where we are still hurt and angry. Most of our stories are not quite as dramatic as, as those of the women at Thistle Farms, but many of us have enduring twists and turns along the way. There is something that I experienced as a young woman that has given me a great deal of compassion for women who find themselves in a situation they never would have imagined. What I'm about to share is part of my story of healing and reconciliation that unfolded over a lengthy period of time. Please journey with me as I turn back the dial a number of years to when I was in college. I came close to being pulled into something I never could have anticipated. I had a professor who taught an evening course in one of my favorite areas of study. In his full-time career, he was the head of the local Virginia Employment Commission, In Harrisonburg, Virginia. He was a respected community member. This individual made our night class fun and engaging and became a popular adjunct professor. One evening after class he asked to speak to me and several other young women. We stayed behind and he told us that he was part of an organization that searched for new talent for modeling and TV commercials. He invited us to audition via a series of interviews and role plays. There was a mysterious element to all of it. He stressed that it was important that we not discuss our individual auditions with each other or anyone else, even family. He shared that the people who were successful in modeling and TV commercials were those who exhibited a sense of trust and sex appeal. He said these were critical factors. He asked many personal questions about family relationships, dating history, and current dating relationships. As the weeks passed, the questions became more personal and the role-play scenarios more uncomfortable. The line between appropriate and inappropriate acting scenarios became blurry to me. My intuition began to kick in. There was a creepy element to this. However, this man was a respected professor and community member, wasn't he? One particular day, he communicated that those of us who made it to the final interview could be asked on any given day to leave town immediately with a plane ticket and no questions asked. This would be the final test, and a contract would then be offered. I wondered... Would I really board a plane to meet with someone I had never met based on this crazy dream to model or act in TV commercials? It seemed unlikely, but there was an element of excitement to it that I could not deny. Fortunately, I backed away. I became uncomfortable with this whole scenario. I began to make up excuses for not continuing to be part of his interview process. By this time, I had begun a more serious dating relationship with Ron, my now husband and partner of 36 years. Fortunately, this professor quit calling. As I learned years later, though, he continued to do some very bizarre things on the college campus and in the community. The unease with this episode in my life continued to bother me from time to time. As I matured into my late 20s and early 30s, I realized just how inappropriate this behavior was. I knew that a professor should never put students in this kind of position. In hindsight, and with the help of a skilled counselor, I realized that his actions were predatory. I had been so bothered by this, but for reasons I did not even yet fully understand. More time passed in my adult life, and I learned very disturbing information about this man. I heard on the local news that he was brutally murdered after years of leading a double life. He had continued to teach at JMU well into the 1980s and perhaps beyond, while still maintaining significant business positions in the community. This man, who was seemingly a pillar of the community, was discovered to be operating a prostitution ring using college students and women from the local community. There was a lengthy and detailed article published in the Washington Post in 1997 that profiled the complex and disturbing life this man led. He had been a master at grooming young women for his prostitution ring. The man who murdered him was the husband of a woman he had coerced into prostitution. She was desperate and did not see options for herself. This story seems almost beyond belief, but like something you would see on Friday night on Dateline. I was fortunate that I backed away from his continued request to meet, but I'm certain that not all others were able to do so. I was feared the worst-case scenario he could easily have been involved in what we now identify as trafficking. Fortunately, I sense the red flags, and I cannot fully explain why. But some young women don't have the opportunity to sense the red flags, or they may be drawn in because of drug addiction or other difficult life circumstances. And then finding a way out becomes incredibly hard. We saw this profiled in the clip. Prostitution does its damage to the body, mind, and spirit. As I think about the women being ministered to through Thistle Farms, it is not difficult for me to imagine how women could be drawn in from a relative place of innocence. They may have been abused or neglected as young girls, lost their sense of self-worth, and continued to spiral downward. Perhaps they were unable to like or love themselves or expect to be treated well by others. But God can transform our hurts and find a way to redeem them. At Thistle Farms, the motto is, love heals. Yes, love heals. God's grace and mercy are critical in the process of helping these women. to escape this life. Our passage today from Luke deals with people who are poor in spirit who are struggling in some significant way. People who have made mistakes and need healing people who need to forgive someone else, or maybe they need to forgive themselves. Through Christ, we are empowered to be vessels of change through our love. When you are ready, I encourage you to think about the places in your life Where there may be some room for transformation, for reconciliation. Invite God into those places. Ask God how to proceed. How can we turn those places of hurt upside down? Can we do the unexpected? Is it possible to bless those who curse us and pray for those who mistreat us? Can we do this in our heart? Can we do this with God's grace and guidance? I talked with my spiritual director at EMU about these questions. And this is what she shared with me. Perhaps we can't expect something from ourselves in a time of crisis. That we don't normally practice. We must first practice this forgiveness and reconciliation at home and within our communities. Then it becomes part of who we are. We are a redeemed people. Pastor Sarah shared words in one of her sermons in October. Her words were so very impactful that I noted them to keep with me. We have redemption. deeply inward value. Despite our mistakes, God uses us. All of us have a purpose. There's room for all of us at the table. With God's mighty power, we can do this. Let's do it kingdom style. Let's turn things upside down. Peace and grace to you